tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! This is Breaking Into Reality, the reality of reality television. Thank you for tuning in in with us to our show. I'm Sheila, your host. I'm Tim Ferretti, your co-host. And you can reach me at TV. And shoot me a tweet at uh, TFerrettiLA, and that's two R's, two T's. Yes, every week on Breaking Into Reality, our special guests will share with us their success, success, I'm having a hard time talking today, success stories on how they broke into reality and how reality TV has changed their lives. We'll also talk about some of the older shows on TV and some of the new ones coming up. We will talk about the reality TV stars and how they're taking the world by storm. We're going to inform you on casting opportunities out there worldwide. And every week I get the distinct pleasure to give you my expert advice and tips to find out if you're right for reality TV, is your brand right for reality TV, which is what we're going to talk about today, and if you're the next reality TV star out there. And I am so happy to welcome our special guest, Chef Ariane Resnick, who is a former former contestant on Chopped and the author of The Bone Broth Miracle. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank Welcome. you for having me. Yes, yes, we're so excited. And before we get to talk to Chef Ariane, Tim Ferretti is going to share with us the casting traffic report. Because remember, there's no way you be- you can become the next reality TV star unless you audition. So what possibilities are out there for our listeners, Tim? Thank you, Sheila, for that wonderful introduction. (laughs) I am Tim Ferretti, and I'm here with your weekly casting traffic report. And yes, in this segment, we'll keep you up to speed. You like that pun? We'll keep you up to speed on open call dates, auditions, and casting opportunities nationwide for some of your favorite shows. So, uh, Survivor Season 31 has announced a few open call dates. And uh, the first one will happen Friday, August 14th in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And Saturday, August 22nd in Vail, Colorado. For more information about those castings, uh, go to cbssurvivorcasting.com. The Amazing Race Season 28 has also just announced its uh, open call dates. Uh, They're looking for teams of two and also for single contestants. Uh, August 7th in my hometown of Philadelphia, PA. And Saturday, August 22nd in Albany, New York. For more information and as they continue to release more open casting call dates, you can visit theamazingracecasting.com. Fox's American Idol, the final season, I'm so sad to say those words, has announced its open audition dates as well. They will take place on August 2nd, again in Philadelphia. I'm sure they'll find some great singers there. Uh, August 8th in Little Rock, Arkansas. And September 15th in San Francisco. Go to AmericanIdol.com for more information on these dates, plus more information on the American Idol bus tour. 
Fox's Master Chef Season 7 just released its open casting call dates and locations on masterchefcasting.com. So let's go through the rundown of what they've uh, they've released. August 15th in San Diego. August 15th in Minneapolis. Go Minneapolis. <laughs> August 22nd in Las Vegas. August 22nd in Detroit. August 29th in Austin. August 29th in San Francisco. In September, uh, Chicago on September 26th. And Louisville on September 26th. Jackson, Mississippi on October 3rd. New York City on October 3rd as well. And then Los Angeles on October 10th. Uh, MTV's Real World Open Call locations include August 1st in Philadelphia. August 1st in San Francisco. August 4th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. August 8th in Burbank, California, August 8th in Oklahoma City, and August 15th in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. For more information about venues, go to bmpcasting.com. TLC's Bride by Design is now casting. They are looking for outgoing new brides-to-be who would like to have their wedding dress adventure filmed on Bride by Design. I'd like to try out for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And getting ready for your big <laughs> wedding? Okay. Not That's quite. news to me, and I see her every day. Okay. Other TLC, TLC shows currently casting are Sex Sent Me to the ER, <laughs> Curvy Brides, Extreme Cheap Skates, I Still Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. I think that's a continuation of I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> I love it. My Strange Addiction, Say Yes to the Dress, Style by Jury, and 90 Day Fiance. For the full list of all of TLC's casting, go to TLC.com. And finally, CNBC's The Prophet is now casting. If you're in over your head or feel like your business is drowning, CNBC's The Prophet can provide you with the lifeline to save your business. Uh, Mark Lamonis will be coming to a town near you, but much like his employees, you never know where he will appear next. Apply now for a chance to save your business. Visit theprofitcasting.com. I'm Tim Ferretti, and that was your weekly casting traffic report. Yay! Yay! Wow, that's quite the lineup. <laughs> you can tell all the big network shows are still going strong casting out there. Good to Reality know. TV is alive and thriving. Uh, yeah, major networks. Yes. So thank you, Tim Ferretti, with the casting traffic You're report. You're very welcome. And so now let's do the proper introduction for our special guest, Chef Ariane. I'm going to read a little bit from your bio so we have that. So Ariane Resnick is a private chef and certified nutritionist who specializes in organic farm-to-table cuisine and creates indulgent, seemingly normal food out of impeccably clean, whole food ingredients. She has cooked for celebrities that include Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris Martin, Augustina Gronig, Lisa Edelstein, and Jeff Franklin, and has been featured in media such as Well and Good, Good Good New York City, Good NYC, right? <laughs> well and Good New York City, sorry. Uh, in Style, Star, Goop.com, Food.com, Huffington Post, Refinery29.com, and the list goes on and on and on. So welcome, Chef Ariane. Thank you. Thank welcome. you so much for having me. So the biggest, the biggest news that we have here is that you are now a published author. I am indeed, miraculously and out of the blue. <laughs> That's how things tend to happen. So can we hold up a copy of your Let's book? Let's hold it up. <clears throat> Look at that. So it's called The Bone Broth Miracle, <laughs> clearly. The Bone Broth Miracle. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Bone Broth Miracle? What is the book about in addition to Bone Broth? 
Sure. So um, <laughs> bone broth is one of the largest trends in health and food right now. And the book is a lot of information about it and why it's good for you and how to make it, um, as well as its cultural history. And then it's about half recipes. So, of course, there are recipes for broths themselves. But there's also lots of different ways that you can incorporate it into your everyday life. Soups, entrees, cocktails, which I call brocktails. Brocktails. Um, so that's basically, they were called broth tails before me, and that had a really unpleasant kind of ring to it that I didn't care for, so I um, I renamed them to broth tails, and that's the final section of the book because, you know, like the end of a long work day. You need a broth tail. You with a cocktail. And with a party. And with a party. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you actually brought us a little gift that you lifted out of the back section of the book. I did. So this is, Tell one us. Of, this is one of the last recipes in the book, and it's called a smoked meat supper. Um, and I mentioned that it's not like the healthiest supper you could have, but it's probably not the least healthy supper you've ever had either. So it's uh, chicken bone broth and a smoky scotch. I use Ardberg for ours. And mm-hmm. I chose this one to bring because it's just so easy. People are always surprised at how simple it can be to make fun, tasty, healthy food that doesn't have that many ingredients but kind of tastes pretty complex. So oh, this yeah. is just chicken bone broth and a smoky scotch. Cheers oh my to God, Cheers. This is cheers. Like, I love it. We have our own little brocktail. Thank oh, you oh, for the gift. There, there we go. Oh, no, I'm okay, let's taste. It's warm. It's, and it's warm, too. So is this okay to have during hot summer day, or is this more for the winter, or is it any time? Um... You know, the thing with bone broth, there's been a lot lately. Like, I did an article with Yahoo Health where they said, you know, what do we do with this for the summer? And it's surprising to me that people are so into it, they're still going for it. Because it makes you feel so good that it kind of doesn't matter what the temperature is. There are ways to use it colder. But the thing with bone broth is, if it's really good at room temperature or refrigerated, it's going to be hard. Because of all the gelatin. So even though you can use it, you can use it basically room temperature. Um where you get it to liquid form, and then you can mix it in a cocktail. And, like, I have a Bloody Mary one called Mary Had a Little Lamb with lamb broth. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. love it. Um, and it won't, you know, as long as it's in a drink with a lot of other stuff, it won't get the drink too gelatinized because it's a smaller component. But if you're doing it um, where it's the main, the broth is the main ingredient and you're just adding some alcohol to it, you do want it to be warmer or it's going to have an unpleasant texture. So does this mean you there's no hangover? When you have brocktails? It will mitigate some of alcohol's effects. Oh, that's good. Oh, it, will not, like that. it will not as it act as a magic bullet and make you able to, you know, drink a bottle of whiskey by any means, <laughs> but it definitely lightens the load on your body because it has such healing properties. So I love it. Helps. it. I love it. And it's tasty and it's filling. So this is awesome and thank you for sharing this. My but, pleasure. You know, how did this book happen for you? You know, I mean I think your story as you were telling us earlier, as you you were writing another book, or you had another book out on the market. Yeah, I had a book proposal that I had done that we were shopping around and that we really thought was, you know, almost there. Like, I've been in Random House and everything. Um, And as we were still trying to find placement for it, 
bone broth was becoming more popular, and I had been um, I'd been mentioned on the Huffington Post from an article that I did with Refinery Twenty Nine about it, and I was becoming sort of known as an expert in the field. And I actually got approached by a publisher that was doing a book on bone broth and needed an author for it. So it fell in my lap, which is, I believe, how all the things that are meant for you pretty much happen. Right, right. And so, yeah, so fell in your lap, that means they wanted you just to write recipes for them, correct? What they initially wanted was um, a consulting position. I was going to get author credit, but I wasn't going to actually be writing any of the material. I was just going to be helping them have a framework for it, um, discussing what points I felt were important, and then providing some input. But... That's what happened? Yeah, what happened? Um, I ended up writing, <laughs> and I'm so glad I did. Um, all of the recipes are mine, and I gave a lot of input for all of the background. Um, I wanted to do it initially, but I didn't feel super comfortable with the idea of, you know, internet-curated recipes that were going to have my name. So that's just what the deal was going to be, and I went with it because I was like, hey, okay, a little book deal. Right. Well, it's a great opportunity, which is also what we're going to talk about later on my tips about branding and how to have a book and how to go about those certain things. But this was very unique, but then it turned very positive for you. Exactly. So in general, I believe that if you say yes to something new and exciting and different and kind of scary, even if it's not exactly what you planned on at all, you can make it work for you. And I ended up doing so much of the book and all the recipes and the introduction and all of that where I really ended up being able to say, oh, hey, I wrote a book. What do you know? How was the book writing experience? Are there any parallels or similarities to uh, to the cooking experience, to the chefing experience? Yeah, Fast and Furious. All right. I was approached in January. It was due, uh, yeah. I think, late February. I wrote the recipes wow. in some pretty record time. Um it was fast, and it was um, it was not specifically planned out ahead of time, where normally you get a book advance, you take some time off work. So it was all so quick that I didn't have the opportunity to do that, and I was doing um, a work project that I couldn't have taken time off from. So I worked all day, and I came home, and I wrote uh, for the evening for a little while there. So it was 24-7. It was a little, it was a little bit for a little bit. Right. And, <laughs> no, no, go Because the book was launched when? In May? Yeah. So I was approached in January. It was due late February. We had all the edits done by March, and it came out in May. It was crazy fast. Like, you always, when I'd been meeting with these publishers, they were saying, you know, well, it'll be about two years. And I had this sure. sense, um, in general, I, I operate with a little sense of urgency. I'm a very, like, let's yeah. do this kind of person. <laughs> and I was like, my God, two years. Like, everything I write about will be irrelevant. I, you know, ev- views evolve. Recipes evolve. Two years, I'll be promoting a book that I don't even necessarily know that I'm going to agree with everything anymore. So um, that this was a trend. So we, they had to jump on it and they had to do it fast. It was absolutely perfect for me. Which I think is also true in, in reality TV right now because public, the publishing world is. It does take a year, two years to mm-hmm. launch a book. That's, you know, the fiction, nonfiction, uh, even cooking books because I've done a couple with some clients that I had. But, you know... Things are so trendy and so fast right now that the publishers have sure. to keep up mm-hmm. yeah. to be exactly. able to get it out. And we'll talk you know, more about that, too, with social media and the millennials and 
you know, how everything happens now, now, now. So you were great, uh, yeah, great uh, result that you did this in record time. Thank you. So it it does take a lot of passion and and skill and experience to earn the title or the position of being a credible chef that will be pursued by a publishing company to write a book. So why don't you tell (laughs) us a little bit about your chef beginnings, where this all began for you? Sure. So um, I didn't even really get comfortable with the term until the past couple years. I spent a lot of time cooking and then doing other things and never really considering myself a chef um, because I never went to culinary school. I stumbled into it to begin with when I was 19 um, and ended up the chef of a vegetarian cafe based purely on my ability to make chocolate cake out of chickpeas. Um, really, <laughs> <laughs> which in the 90s was totally, you know, there was no black bean cake that there is now, so it was, it was different and unusual and Really, food had been my upbringing and my origins. And I grew up in a family that was incredibly holistic. My mom made everything from scratch. She ran a co-op out of our basement. And it was what I knew. And I never thought about growing up doing it for a living. And even as I, you know, I had this chef job. And then through my 20s, um, I spent most of the time modeling. And when I needed work, sometimes I'd go and do private chef work for people. And then I had this brand of food that was very popular. And it really took a lot of time before I was like, oh, it took so many people calling me a chef before I was like, oh, I, I guess I am one of those. I am a chef. Well, if you, yeah. And now I'm very proud of it, of course, and I very much identify with it, but it's, um, I think sometimes our paths take a, long, a while to really stick, and we keep going back to right. what we're meant to do, but we're not necessarily ready to take it on fully. Yeah, because that wasn't your path. I have to ask, though, growing up with a mom cr- uh, making food um, and, you know, co-op and all of that stuff... What was it like going to school with your lunch? What was in your lunchbox? Because I can only imagine. Oh, goodness. Um, so what was in my lunchbox was so many wonderful, amazing things that I wish I had appreciated more at the time. Because I was a child and children love sparkly packages. So I had the lunch that no one would trade. And it was like... That's brutal. In retrospect, yeah. you know, like, who gets their peanut butter and jelly sandwich on this delectable homemade bread from wheat berries that your mother ground into flour to make? Like, what an insane, insane gift. But here, of course, you're nine, and you're like, I wanted Wonder Bread. Right. Or the Twinkies. <laughs> or the, yes. And, and to this that. day, I've still never eaten a Twinkie. Never? No. Oh there's, there's a lot of stuff that I never made it to. Right. Which I think is just fine, right? Um, so, what... What makes you stand out as a chef? What, what makes you unique? I know you're, you're a certified nutritionist, but what, what else is it? Sure. So I think there are two different things. I think one is um, my ability to do special diets in a way that is very plural. Most people can say, oh, I'm a paleo chef or I'm a vegan chef, but it's pretty rare that someone does raw, vegan, paleo, low salt, no gluten, sugar free. Yes. <laughs> and is like, oh, no big deal. Yeah, no problem. I can feed you. And I can feed you food that looks normal, that your guests don't even have to know is, you know, everything free. So I think that my ability to do that um, helped me stand out to begin with. And then also, I work a lot with food for healing. And I have a nutritionist credential purely because I was already working with other people. Um, with food for healing and nutrition for healing, and I wanted that level of credibility as I was doing it already. 
And I, how and how did you know how to do that? Because you had some issues of your own, right? That you had I to heal. Did. Yeah, I recovered from both late stage Lyme disease and uh, chronic chemical poisoning holistically. So not with food alone, but food was very vital. And I don't work with people, you know, specifically saying this food will cure you of anything. I say very much more. Here are things we can do for you, and here are some foods that will really help your journey. And they really do. But how? See, I don't understand. How does that work? How does it just all of a sudden, you know, eating the right thing? Or is it the type of food that you pick and the combinations? Sure. It's um, it's as much about what you don't eat as what you do eat, of course. Um, and for most illnesses in general, inflammation is number one. So for people, no matter what their problem is, even if they're in that kind of dubious phase of I'm not diagnosed with anything yet, but things aren't okay, often just getting the inflammatory foods out and getting a lot of anti-inflammatory foods in will help them tremendously. If you think about all the medicines that were out there, most of them began as plants. Hmm. Food has been medicinal for as long as we've been eating it and probably many millions of years before us. Right, and bone broth is, isn't it, from years ago? It's It's crazy old. As long as we've been eating meat, we have been boiling the bones and having the broth. It's very ancient. it's ancient. It's ancient. (laughs) Um, And it is, um, it's so tried and true. My example is always, hello, chicken soup. Right, because we always, when we feel sick, or you're sick... The best cure is, you know, have some chicken soup, homemade chicken soup, Mm -hmm. or go to Jerry's Deli and get their chicken soup. And they've (laughs) proven that now scientifically there are, you know, immune-enhancing compounds in it that very literally do help you get better. Wow. So what are some of your other success stories? So with bone broth, I did something really magical this past year Um, Uh where I had a client who I had worked with on and off for a number of years contact me in January saying that she was looking to get pregnant and she'd had a number of unsuccessful rounds of IVF, of in vitro uh, fertilization, and she wanted me to help her get pregnant. So that's a a loaded job. (laughs) No pressure. Can you help me get pregnant? I don't really do anything in life that's easy. So I was like, yeah, we're going to have babies. This is not going to be a problem. Um, She had health issues, of course, that were preventing the fertility from happening. So we worked together. Bone broth was the number one thing to get the inflammation down to help get the health issues under control. And I worked with her with an assortment of foods, cooking for her regularly. Uh, through the in vitro process, making sure to use foods that corresponded with the hormones she was taking, um, not to, like, cancel them out or contribute too much. So very cautiously, um, foods in addition to bone broth and a lot of anti-inflammatory foods. And it was super successful. She's, like, halfway to term with twins. Yes. Oh, my God. Tim, we can get pregnant. (laughs) I can? Yeah, you can. Is that what you're saying? If I can be a baby daddy, you can get pregnant. That's right. All right. Why not? We're talking science, people, on this program. (laughs) Real science. Magical miracles. There we go with the bone broth. And oh. I, I want I want you to tell us a little bit about your first business venture as on yeah. this path of, of becoming a chef because that is important in this topic of discussion about branding and business and using uh, certain pl- things as a platform. Sure. Why don't you tell us about that experience? Right, because you hadn't been on TV or anything yet when your first product became one of the biggest sellers out there, right? Correct. And um, so that's hard. That's difficult, right? I mean, the food business is massive. It is. It was very, you know, it was a drop in the lap kind of thing. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for that, but there's also a lot to be said for things like business plans. <laughs> 
So I, I operate very differently now than I did then. Um, what happened was basically I was doing private chef work for a number of different people doing raw food. And people kept saying, the meals are great. They're wonderful. We love this. But these snacks, you have to sell these snacks. So I had a conversation with one of those clients randomly at Erewhon, which is a health food store by mm-hmm. the Grove, Beverly Hills. And the cashier said to me, you know, we take new brands of food. And I was like, oh, I'm not a brand of food. I'm just a girl who makes food. <laughs> Long story short, I meet with the manager with my food in, like, baggies and eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper of what my labels might look like. And less than six weeks later, I've done all my due diligence. I have a commercial kitchen, and my first shipment to their store sells out within the day. Oh so um, I was in Whole Foods within six months, which was unheard of. Um, my distributor said, you can't get in that fast. So I sent everything to Whole Foods outside of my distributor and got in the same, the same day that they received everything. Oh, my God. And it was the best-selling brand of kale chips. I had a number of products. They were all raw, vegan, and organic. And it was the best-selling brand of kale chips in the southern Pacific region of Whole Foods. Wow. Impressive. I know. That's very impressive. <laughs> so you became Impressed. rich and famous. Oh, my goodness. And everything worked out amazing, right? <laughs> so that whole thing about like business plants. Yes. Yeah. So I was planning, prepare. I, I was a girl who made food, and I make some really wonderful food. Um, and I understand that you need people for the business part now. And I wish I'd understood it then, but it all goes however it's meant to. And um, it was it was a heck of an experience because you were the only one doing it, right? It was just you in your kitchen. Um, I ended Commercial up with kitchen. a staff. Yeah. I had a staff, and I ran everything. <clears throat> Um, and I would have management, but it wouldn't really grow when I wasn't there much. And I actually had Lyme disease through a lot of it. So there was a period of several months where I was completely housebound and couldn't get up and just had to have daily phone calls with a manager. And then once I recovered enough to go back, it started really growing again. Um, as of when I licensed it out, it was less than two years since founding the brand. And I had close to 100 stores in seven states. Oh, my God. That wow. I had placement in. So, what happened after that? Um, I licensed it out because it just wasn't viable. It cost so much more to make food and pay people to make it than I made money selling it. Right, you know, right. what you pay six ninety nine for at Whole Foods, Whole Foods is buying for three forty nine. The distributor is selling to them for a bit less, and the person making it's getting a couple bucks. And when you're talking high quality ingredients and handcrafted food, that just doesn't work into anything profitable. So I licensed it out to a larger food manufacturer who made it profitable. But unfortunately, they sacrificed a lot of taste. Okay. And it lost popularity really quickly because oh. they used um, just less expensive ingredients. You know, instead of cashews, the nut cheese base was sunflower seeds. But now that's it's important because that's your brand. That was your creation, your product. Yes. But that's sort of the risk you take or the sacrifice you make if you give it up to a, a, you license it. Exactly. So what I ended up doing was honoring the licensing contract, which was a year and a half. And then when I was set to sell the brand to them, which is what I was supposed to do, I backed out. And they continue to make the products, which are no longer in Whole Foods. They're only in small health food stores. And they do it under their brand name. And I own all the intellectual property from my original recipes. So if I ever wanted to do it again, I could. It's It's mine. So we've covered some science. We've covered some (laughs) business. But here on Breaking Into Reality, we also like to talk TV. So Arian was a contestant on season 19. Of chopped. Mm-hmm. All right, season nineteen Chops. of chopped, and we want to know more about your experience on the show. 
Why did you apply to be on reality, uh, reality TV in the first place? Sure. Um, I was a member, I am a member of a chef group on Facebook, and someone posted this TV show is casting, and it was the only one I watched, which was Chopped. Um, and I was really newly back into private chefing. I'd been better from the chemical poisoning for maybe a month or two, and I was cooking for Gwyneth Paltrow, and I was just like, you know, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if they'd pick me like I was a real chef, because I was still in that <laughs> phase of like, do I count? Do I count? Right, you right. Know? Um, am I, you know, am I, am I valid? Um, I wonder if they'd pick me, and then I wonder if I landed there, if I could actually do that. Because when people are watching it, you're always like, oh my God, how do they do that? You know, it's so completely on your feet. So I just, it was sheer like, huh. I had no plans on actually doing it if I got cast. You just wanted to know if it worked. I just wanted to know if I could do it. I just wanted see, to we know. Don't, we don't like people that try out for shows like that, right? <laughs> they just go, let me see if I get on. And they're like, oh, no, thank you. Thank you. It's like, no, we just invested all this time in you. Mm-hmm. But so, what? How, how, well, how many shows did you apply for? Well, oh. that was the only one that I applied for. Okay. And then as um, the process was going for that, where I had submitted an application, before I heard anything from them, I started getting approached by other shows. And I should have known that I was going to be characterized heavily by how much all these TV shows really seemed to want me. So I ended up, um, because I was um, approached by the other shows, ended up auditioning for three of them, Chopped included, and getting picked for all of them. And which ones were those? Uh, those were Cutthroat Kitchen with Alton Brown and mm-hmm. Restaurant Express, both Food Net with... Um, Food Network, yeah. Yeah, the, it was the guy who does uh, Kitchen Mission Impossible. Kitchen. Uh, Robert, why don't I remember his name? Robert. British guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Irvine. So I, Irvine. I, Robert Irvine. So I auditioned for all of them, and I got cast for all of them, but they were all the same season on the Food Network, so you're only allowed to do one. So obviously I'm going to pick the hardest one. Right, right. Good. I was like, well, I'll do Chopped then. Sure, why not? Oh, my God. And the one that doesn't film in L.A. Because <laughs> if you course. want, you want it to be an adventure. Right, right. And, okay, so let's take us through. First of all, I have to explain. Being a casting director, that is a little bit annoying, you know, having someone like you come <laughs> along and trying out for all three. Did you tell them all that you were trying out for the other shows? No, not until I got cast for all of them. And they were like, like, chopped email. Then was like, congratulations, you made it. And I right. was like, mm, I'm going to let you know. Because I hadn't decided because the Restaurant Express show was really long. It was going to film for like two months. And I thought maybe that would be an adventure that would be more exciting. And I'd want to do that instead. So I was was leaving everyone kind of... Hanging. Yeah, a little bit. Hanging until they finally said, you need to make a decision now. Well, I actually said no to Chopped and yes to Restaurant Express because it was longer. And I liked the idea of it more. And then um, the contract for it was just like a book of insanity. Right, right. And I decided not to. And I'd already turned down Chopped. And I say I wrote back and was like, "Well, actually, I, I might do like it. I might like to be on your little show, right? So, um. Right, and we'll talk about that contract too <laughs> in a little bit about you know if reality TV is right for your brand about the contracts. But so what happened? Let's talk about the experience on Chop because everybody, I mean, the show's been on forever. It's yeah. exciting. So. Well, yeah, it's it's you had a little bit of a controversial um, experience, experience on this show. I did, and, and our viewers can find clips if they search a little bit. Ari and Resnick chopped mm-hmm. and, and just to see, it's very, it's really great. Like 
you, you sucked oh, your was, guns and you it was amazing who they can turn you into <laughs> um they made sentences out of words that i said that were not actual real things hmm. such as my diet is vegan when I'm not, nor was I, a vegan, or I healed from Lyme disease with avocados. <laughs> so um, right from the introduction, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a nutcase. Right, I'm a total nutcase. <laughs> that makes you look crazy. I imagine that happens. Yeah, it makes you look crazy, and you know when that's your introduction that it's only downhill from there. So I ended up being the only person discussed from the episode on Twitter under the chopped hashtag, and every time the episode re-airs, they still don't talk about anyone else. I don't look often, but every like six months or so when right, it re-airs, right. um, I'll look, and people are either like, oh, it's that girl again, or they're like, oh, God, it's that girl again. You had a, a famous... Uh, a kind of famous line that came from it, or it became a hashtag, right? Killer, killer oven, or killer uh, stoves. Killer yeah. stoves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they never heard of that. They, killer stoves. They don't show a lot of things. So, one of the things they didn't show was the fact that uh, one of the other contestants cut herself in the first round, had band aids at her station as she was supposed to, put on a band aid and went on her way. And what they did show was that in the second round, I cut myself. And I mysteriously had no band-aids. Uh-uh. So I Uh-oh. let everyone know, this sea of production people, I was like, hey, I cut myself, I don't have any band-aids, can someone get me a band-aid, please? And no one did anything. So for about five minutes, I was getting more and more agitated until the part where they show, which is me being like, cut, cut, like I'm a disaster, <laughs> because no one would listen to me and get me a freaking band-aid. Um, so I lost about five minutes of the round waiting for a band-aid. A band-aid arrived, and as I went about my way, the um, pilot light on my stove, when I turned it off, didn't go off. It actually, the stove came back on and just went, like a pilot light. gas. And, you know, my chemical poisoning came from a stove. The downstairs neighbor's stove ventilated into our apartment. I had six months of low-dose carbon monoxide and combustion byproduct exposure. So, of all the people who've ever been on this show... Somehow I'm the only person, and they've got, like, all the techie people coming over, and they're like, we can't turn it off. We can't turn it off. It's fine. You'll be fine. Right. And I'm like, really? Like, how rigged are these things? Yeah, you you were put in a very uh, precarious situation there, and especially with your backstory. Exactly. It was, I had never thought, oh, this is rigged. This is intentional. But so many people responded with, how did they do that on purpose? Right. Like, how did they do that, and what a coincidence. Like, there's no such thing as a coincidence of that magnitude. So how did you feel during that? I mean, were you you just devastated? Were you losing your confidence? I mean, did you really start to think you were going crazy? Or what was that process? What was happening? Sure. Well, as the show taped, after the first round, when a different guy got cut, I said, I won! (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, what? What do you mean you won? And I was like, I just wanted to get through the first round like that was all I cared about was I don't want to be the first person to go home and I don't want to have a plate <laughs> with nothing on it because okay, some people don't okay. make some people don't manage to make anything they get too frazzled right right they have this like literally like empty plate so that was all I cared about was that I didn't go home first and I had food on a plate so once that happened and then someone else got got chopped instead of me I was like do I get to like do a victory dance and they were like you haven't won and I was like, well, I have. I did. I'm good. Um, so now I think- they're going, she is crazy. She's really crazy. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're supposed to be competitive. Yes. And my point of being on the show was so different than that. So um, that part of it was fine. And then, of course, by the time that round ended, I was just a complete mess. There's no way that if yeah. I hadn't been chopped... 
and I'd made it to the dessert round, I would have made anything at all. Because I didn't even manage to do the food I was creating properly. I overdressed a salad to an extent that I didn't think was possible. Because I had <laughs> lost so many of my ingredients when they took my board away. Oh, and right. I miscalculated but, yeah. getting new ingredients. And as I was pouring the dressing onto the big bowl of salad... I was sitting there, and you're, like, in your head, but you're not there enough to be connected to your body. And I was telling myself, you need to stop. That's going to be too much dressing. You need to stop. <laughs> That's crazy. And it just kept coming because I was so frazzled, and the lights and the stove tick, tick, tick behind me, and I cut myself so badly I needed stitches. But no one really, yeah, slap a right. Band-Aid on her. She'll be fine. No one looks at that. Right. Um, and I ended by, the, by that point, by the end of that round, I was just a mess. Jello. Yeah, a total mess. You were your own dessert. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So how, so did you get chopped after that? Yes. So you were number two? Yes. Number two. Yes. So Which was great. I won. (laughs) Because you still won. You still won. And which is, yeah, you had the courage, number one, to get out there and do it. Um, So what happened after that? What you know, what did people say online about you? Um, Sure. You know, how was your, were you crushed about all this? What were those Um, messages? Crazy girl? Yes. I initially, um, I was just really grateful that they showed where I said, I just wanted to show people that you can recover from things. Mm -hmm. And just by being here, that was my, that was what I set out to do. I'm good. Um, I had no idea about how strongly people feel about you and how much they need to tell you, a stranger, about how they feel about you and how much time they invest. Like, there are people on Twitter whose entire profiles are just commentary on Food Network reality show contestants. Wow. (laughs) They spend all day, every day, talking about what they don't like about people they have never met that they see on TV once. Mm-hmm. Great. They should tune in to us at Comlico TV. <laughs> let's hear like, some plug. critique. Good yeah, plug. let's hear that. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, um, so a lot of people had some really amazing things to say. You know, I've dealt with chronic illness myself. You're such an inspiration. What a warrior you are. Oh, you're so cute. There was lots of good. Right. Um, but the venomousness of the bad was shocking and just initially blew me away. Right. Um, people saying, you were never sick. You're just anxious. You're just emotionally disordered. You were never ill. And of course, I was. I mean, blood work, right, right. hospital visits. <laughs> it was super totally happened. But um, it was a fascinating <clears throat> experience for me because on the one hand, they say, don't listen. Just ignore the people. Yes, because that's a, that we definitely tell people that go on the show. It's like, do not tune into that. You know, don't buy into it. Just exactly. ignore it. But, but you, on the other t- hand, right? What you happened? Ha- like, when enough people say something, it's worth considering. And the overwhelming response that I got that was negative, outside of the things that I didn't really feel I had to take personally because they were just how I was edited. Right. Um, a lot of people just kept saying, "You're anxious. You just have anxiety." And I'd never considered that before. I always had a sense of impending doom in life. And I kind of just thought everyone did. And I had no idea that that is what anxiety was. But actually, because of what people said about me on Twitter after the episode, I went and looked up anxiety. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I think I have it. I think I have that. Um, And I learned how to meditate. And that's awesome. I'm not an anxious person in any way. So she took the negative and turned into a positive. And that's important because there is life uh, and your real life after being on TV and people yes. can forget that. So why don't we ask you, you know, a little bit about your life and your career post Chopped? 
if that is can you know that's a significant chapter in your your chef work and your you know your um building your profile so h- how has everything been since then well well also i want to add to that because i was going to ask you the question were you thinking about your brand before doing chopped because that's you know especially from before your business sure. before and yeah. your your thought process to go on one of those TV shows mm-hmm. is obviously when you're building your brand you need that exposure the eyeballs you know yeah. to to be able to boost so were you thinking about that at all or did you start thinking about building your brand after very much after okay when i decided to do the show it was really just a hey let's see what happens here by the time i filmed it i was already working on growing a brand and then by the time it aired a year later i was really establishing and thought ooh whether good or bad national exposure right now will be perfect yeah and it did help the career trajectory most definitely it gets you out to people who would never hear about you right. from health yeah. food articles on the internet no matter how big the website right and you've even worked for some of the biggest celebrities Gwyneth mm-hmm. Paltrow and who's it Chris Martin and then mm-hmm. all their friends but that's still not enough no you know and so in building your brand what mm-hmm. did you what did you do next who did you meet <laughs> <laughs> so i met you <laughs> That's right. And uh, when I met you, I said, I'm going to be doing one of these shows. I don't know which one yet. And you said, oh, that's great for exposure. Like, hmm, okay. And I didn't really I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had a message I wanted to share. Right. And we were connected by someone who said, I think this is a match. And this is someone who can get you where you want to go, even if she might know where you want to go better than you do. Right. Which is pretty much how it worked out. Yeah, because it's true. I mean, when people like uh, Ariane come to meet with Tim and I, you know, say, how do we get this? You know, how do we get our brand off the ground? How do we get our products off the ground? Mm-hmm. Should I do a TV show? I mean, I, I say there's no right or wrong answer. Exposure is great. Mm-hmm. You need the exposure no matter what level you're at. Um, so now, what what are you doing with your brand? What is What is the plan? What is the next plan? Sure. So that's um, something that I'm really grateful to have you for, because I'm a really good planner for the day. <laughs> I am on time everywhere at all times. That's true. And, um, for that. Right. and I, can, I can schedule a day to death. Um, and I never think about, what are we going to do in five years? So having someone who can take my abstract philosophies about what I want to do for the world and say, well, here's how we can do that in real time and here's what we can do with it, has been incredibly invaluable. And that's what we've been doing with, with Ariane's career. I mean, she's, your number one goal is to become an author. Very much We're so. on our way with that, and I think you give your mm-hmm. message the best through being an author. And then there's many other things coming along, which stay tuned to stay tuned. your Twitter and all the other Twitters <laughs> out Another there. Another great plug. And, uh, yes, mm-hmm. ariannecooks.com to find out what's happening because of many exciting things, and we're super excited about it. So right now, though, I do need to add to tell everybody out there, our listeners, about, you know, why branding or is branding right for your, you know, your brand, is reality TV right for your brand? See if I can get that right. Because over the past few years, small businesses have been boosted just by being on on reality TV. You know, um, Pawn Stars, Kardashian, well, Kardashians is one that... They were reality TV stars first, then created a brand, then created product. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Gordon Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay had restaurants, but when he was on TV here, his brand didn't fit the U.S. audience. 
So he even had to rebrand himself. So all this exposure is amazing. Um, what would I say? Number one yeah. tip, being on a reality show can dramatically increase sales. If you currently have a product or a business, mm-hmm. like if you had the Bone Broth Miracle book while you were on Chopped, it would have skyrocketed by now, right? And no one would have believed I was a vegan anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And then being on a reality show can help launch a brand or product. We've seen that. That's Mm -hmm. that's been proven, and it is there. Um, Being on a reality show gives you national exposure. So I don't care what anyone says. Having that exposure, like look at all the followers Mm -hmm. you have now, and people that are staying in tune, whether they liked you, called you crazy, or not, they still care. And they know your name. Yep, and they know your Mm name. Um, And being on a reality show can turn a small business into a household name. Which is gold. That is the status that you want to get to. You know, so the goal is to be able to keep your show on the air or stay on a show or whatever that is. Becoming a household name, that means you've arrived. You know, and I I really believe that's something that reality TV has done Mm -hmm. for the average person out there building a brand um, or a small business. So how to be prepared. You know, quickly, we have to go through my tips. How to be prepared, which we talked about. (laughs) Um, Be willing to bear it all. You've got to put everything out there just like you did. You got to tell your story mm-hmm. and they use that. I mean, that story comes out. Um, be prepared to give up a percentage of your business. Uh oh. Eventually, you know, you mentioned that one contract and mm-hmm. whether you were going, so they knew you were going somewhere or not. I bet you any money that contract had things in it were like, what do they want to own me? Own everything me? and whatever I create. So be, but be prepared. You need to take that risk. If you're starting out, take that risk because sometimes that risk outweighs, you know, or the reward outweighs the risk. Okay, but you know, caution. Now, now Sheila, yes. um, I'd like maybe I could call you the queen of contracts, the queen of understanding contracts. I love contracts. Is that standard industry procedure now? Is that always been that way? Did that just sort of start to catch on when they started to see people launching brands? Yes, that is true because okay. you know, the beginning of reality, we didn't do that. People came on a show. They went off if they started to create something that was great. But I think it was really the movement of uh, Bethany Frankel Mm -hmm. when she went off and she had her skinny girl brand. Mm -hmm. And I think NBC was furious because all of a sudden she sold the company for like $3.5 million. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I think much more. I don't (laughs) remember the right number, which I should know this. But, you know, and and my, in in my defense, I was saying, you know, well, did NBC ask George Clooney, you know, when he was on ER in his contract? Did it say, uh, okay, you know, we're, we're going to take 5% if you ever become a famous actor or do movies. No, but reality, they can get away with it, and they have, and it is becoming standard practice Okay, to answer your question. Okay. Uh, quickly, will reality TV help or hurt my brand? It can only help it, I think. You know, I, I, unless you're super... Um, uh, famous already or your brand is super popular and you're doing it for c- certain other reasons, which is can be done, but I don't think it can hurt it. I really don't. Okay. Um, and social media, huge. I think if you're trying to do TV right now, make sure you have social media numbers up. The networks are looking at that. It's making you more prominent. And I think you need it anyway for any business that you do. Uh, it's direct communication. It is. It is, your- and that's your. Those are the fans now. Influencers, mm-hmm. all of that stuff makes your makes it work for you. Um, can you really operate your business while on TV? That's a good Make point. sure you're able to. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were running the the kale chip business yeah. and trying to do a TV show? That actually would have been a funny TV. That would have worked out much better. Actually, I bet. 
Yeah, that might have worked out. Because then, like, Doritos would have come along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll take this. That's, oh, my God. So you never know. You never know. Um, but most important, you know, be prepared for hard work. It's hard work no matter what. You know, you have to be prepared for that. And once you're there having that opportunity, there's no t- turning back. So make sure you're able to grab those opportunities. Have a business plan. Know what you're doing. Have a goal in mind. Because once you do, right now, the competition is fierce out there. And when you have that opportunity to be on a show, just make sure you know what to do right after. Right? Wouldn't you agree? Very much so. And how to turn it into a positive. So those are my reality TV tips. The insider tip, of course, of the week is about the contracts. And I'll mention that again. Read that contract. But, you know, risk-reward. It's not scary. It's not crazy. But please read it. It's very important. Tim? Very good. All right. <laughs> there you have how it. How did I do on my like, <laughs> Insider. How did you think that was? Perfect. Okay, Perfect. good. Because we are following this plan already, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Thank heavens. I know. So, Tim, tell us quickly, what is yeah. in the reality TV news? Yeah, so, in the time we have left, yes. um, we can talk about some of the big debuts that happened this week in reality TV world. Um I am Kate premiered to huge numbers. Uh, did you get to watch Aryan? Unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> I, it, it arrived to great numbers and overwhelmingly positive reviews. Um, it was Sunday's top cable program with a 1.2 in the adults uh, demo, 18 oh to 49. My. They coveted that demo. Those so, Kardashians are gold. <sighs> well, this is, yeah, and the Jenners now. The, the Jenners. Jenners. Right, right, right. And I know, and it's, it's amazing that such a positive story and such a um, new frontier is is happening and, t- and so successfully. And where else could you do it except reality TV? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, a watershed yeah, yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and offering this platform to tell a story that's not always commonly told. So or accepted. Yeah, sure. A few other uh, prominent reality shows or hyped reality shows uh, debuted as well. Um, TLC debuted its Roma Downey hosted program uh, docu series "Answered Prayers." Um, also on Sunday, July 26th, this series, uh, it blends like recreations of interviews and original footage of life-threatening situations, all of which resulted in miraculous outcomes. They have that religious thing going, she and her husband, don't they? Yes. I, yes, I think it's safe to say it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and then E! also debuted another uh, celebrity-based docuseries, Stewart's and Hamilton. So this is follows uh, Rod Stewart and his uh, prominent daughter, Kimberly Stewart, who we've seen Kimberly. on TV before. Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. She interviewed for me one of the first, one of her first auditions for wow. reality TV, along with Kim Kardashian. Now you're getting the inside scoop. Yes. Okay. So All we're right. going to get Kimberly and Kim here. <laughs> Maybe one day, right? Yes, and show on their first audition tapes. I can't wait. And, um, so that those, uh, those two programs debuted as well. And then finally, The Bachelorette scored big ratings for its finale. Uh, that saw, should I, do a spoiler, a spoiler yeah, alert, spoiler yeah, alert that saw Sean take the prize. Yeah. Um, but the real news is the numbers and how much of an improvement they are from last season. It earned a 2.4, way up from last week's 1.9, and up from last summer's 2.0 in the demo. Um, and the after show uh, maintained those results. So that's great news for uh, the people behind The Bachelorette. Which we love. Yes. We're our friends over at The Bachelorette. And awesome I actually, job. Congratulations. Yeah, I, love, I yeah. actually watched it this mm-hmm. year. I liked it. 
I know. And that is my reality TV in the news. All right. All that <laughs> updates. I love it. Well, thank you so much to our special guest, to Chef Ariane Resnick. Thank you so much. We And this is delicious. I can't I'm wait. I'm going to try and make this. I love it. Ariane, why don't you tell everyone where people can find you, yes. interact with you, talk with you, learn more about all the wonderful uh, knowledge and experiences that you have to offer. Sure. So uh, my Twitter is at Ariane Resnick, A-R-I-A-N-E. R-E-S-N-I-C-K. My Instagram is chef underscore Aryan. And my Facebook is chef Aryan Resnick. My website is ariancooks.com. Awesome. awesome. And what's ours? <laughs> She's <quizzing laughs> me. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at, at TV, Instagram at, at TV, and Facebook, um, The Conlin Company. And that's how you can reach us. You can reach me directly if you so desire to at TFarettiLA on Twitter. This will be his dating hotline. <laughs> I can see it. Yes, I'm using it as a dating platform now. Uh, so anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Thank we you. look My forward pleasure. to hearing much more fabulous things and having you back. Uh, otherwise, thank you for joining us out there and tuning into Breaking Into Reality. Do you have what it takes? Are do you, you the next? Yeah, do you? <laughs> are you the next reality TV star? Is reality TV right for your brand? Check us out on AfterBuzz TV, BreakingIntoReality.com, and BreakingIntoReality.com. Yes. I think I got all that right. <laughs> yeah. All right, until next time. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.